Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Is this thing on? Are we good? Can you hear me? All right. Um, good morning, guys. Uh, I do want to remind you guys that, that uh, over spring break, we are doing a mission trip to New Orleans. Okay? So uh, please be aware of that. We're going to be doing some... Uh, uh, prep stuff for that. November 15th will be our first meeting. So plan on being here for that if you would like to be a part of the, uh, the, the spring break trip to New Orleans. You're probably wondering uh, why we are doing um, this, this weird uh, series, uh, relationship series. I know it could look kind of strange to you. Um, we're going to unpack what this stuff means up here. Don't worry, okay? Uh, now, um, the big theme for this relationship series is where we're looking at kind of the sins of men, the sins of women. Men, as you know, have really big egos. Girls, can you attest to this? Guys, admit it. You know it's true. Uh, guys have really big egos. And so um, here's the way guys are wired. Everything to a guy is a competition. Okay? Everything. Um, it could, you can invent, guys invent competitions all the time, alright? You put ten guys with a frisbee, they will create some kind of competition, and in that moment, every guy's identity and masculinity will be on the line, okay? In that moment. And so, um, guys have this mentality of like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at what I can do, look at what he can't do, look at what I can do. And so, um, this goes for sports. This is why guys are like, hey, you know, watch, watch me score in this, in this game. Watch me. And honestly, the, the sexual innuendo is true as well, right? That, that guys see girls a lot of the time as an object. Guys see girls a lot of the time as a trophy. That's why guys will say things like, at least when I was in high school, the, the word they would use was, did you score? It was like they're an objective, okay? Like they were a goal, all right? They're competitive. Girls, on the other hand, um, they're just plain mean, right? Girls are just plain mean, seriously. And uh, guys, we can be mean, but we at least have a reason for being mean. Uh, girls, they don't need a reason. They just they can just be mean, right? So, um, so girls have this struggle sometimes of, uh, of obviously with with gossip, with slander, with. Uh, backstabbing, uh, getting the person back that even the, you know, whatever. It's just all kinds of crazy stuff happens with the girls, okay? Um, we've seen it uh, time and time again. So um, we're going to be looking at this, this series, Relationships, and uh, we're going to be diving into some stuff today. Uh, today's going to be kind of like an introduction to our series. Um, we're going to be looking at the issue of dating. We're also going to be looking at, of course, the sins of men, the sins of women. Uh, we're also going to be introducing a new feature for this series where you guys can text in a question. And we're going to compile those questions throughout the series. We're going to have two weeks at the very end where we can like answer all of your questions in a couple of Sundays. So what I need you guys to do is uh, look at this number up here on the screen. Pull out your cell phones if you have one. And punch this number into your, to your cell phone. And this will be the text message like hotline. It's like the bat phone. Okay? Uh, this will be the number that you text questions to. Now, you can text message questions like during the service. Something hits you and you think, I have a question about that. Text your question in. Um, if you're at home late at night and you're bored, um, then, uh, then text your question in. Okay? This is a 24-7 Text message hotline, 
All right? And uh, I'm not saying you'll get a response right away, but um, we're at least going to compile the good questions, and we're going to uh, put together a couple of weeks to discuss just those questions as it relates to uh, um, our relationship series. So that's the plan for the text message deal. Um, here are some questions that I hope you ask. Uh, first of all, how far is too far physically? After the breakup, is friendship possible? Also, when should I start dating? Just a few little sample of uh, what you might be thinking about for these relationship questions, okay? So, um, text away. We want your text questions for that. Uh, now, the other question you might have about my slide up here is the um, strange-looking head on top of each individual. Uh, let's go to the next slide. I have the title slide up here again. Um, it's true. Guys are like dogs. And girls are like cats. And you guys know this to be true, that as different as cats and dogs might be, guys and girls can seem that different. Okay? And so your first question at your tables is going to be this. How are men like dogs? How are women like cats? Discuss. Okay, I do want to get some, uh, some good feedback on this, because this is a really profound theological question that we all need to know the answer to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to each table and give you some input as to uh, what you guys think over here. I guess this is mostly a guy table, an all-guy table. Um, let's, let's hear about the girls. How are girls like cats? Let's get, hang on one sec. Wait. Should we let him talk? Should we? Okay, let's, let's hear the, the censored version. Uh, they'll eat you alive. Okay. okay we can say that. That's true. They'll eat you alive? Okay, so they'll eat you alive, okay? Um, what's that? Cats will always be second best to dogs. It said cats will always be second best to dogs. You can tear them up. Wow. That's why it's an, that's why it's an all guys table over here. Alright, do you guys have any good feedback over here? Alright, say it again. Dogs are always chasing cats around. Dogs are always chasing cats around. That's true. And when they catch them, they have no idea what to do with them. That's true. All right, over here. Yes. <laughs> you know how guys always look at girls like a piece of meat sometimes? Okay, yes. What do dogs want the most? Okay, good, good point. Uh, for, for guys, they always look at girls like they're a piece of meat and dogs like meat. So, yeah. Do you have one, too? Okay, that was it? Yeah. You have one. Um, they're like dogs in football. They do is chase the ball around the field with no really endpoint except the thing. Okay, so they have no direction. No direction. She's bashing our football over here. I don't know about that. All right, ladies. Who wants to speak? Can y'all turn this mic up a little bit? Taylor. Um, Tell us. A oh, wise one. Well, um, what, what was it? I can't even remember. Oh, yeah, dogs fight for territory. So. Oh, that's a good one. Dogs fight for territory. But that's they don't really have any point. Excellent. So. And also, how do dogs mark their territory? <laughs> Guys do that too. Guys do that too. Okay, what else? 
Over here. Hey, if the girls say you shouldn't say, you probably should listen to the girls. <laughs> I like it. They're usually more wise than we are. No. Okay, so y'all got nothing? I can explain, but cats have litter boxes. What's that? Cats have litter boxes. Cats have litter boxes. I don't know what that means. You guys? Anthony? Don't just send to me. Well, basically, we thought about the fact that um, which animals do you see more, like, inside pets? Cats. Cats need more maintenance. Women need more maintenance. Men, they'll be okay. Men could go without a haircut for, like, ever. Girls, not so much. Like, you got to take your cat to go. They have to have their own little, little box. You have to clean out the litter box. They have to have their nails shaved down. And... <laughs> okay, so we get to take picture. All right. All right, over here, you guys got anything? Sarah? We said that dogs are easier to train than cats. They what? Easier to train, so... Dogs are easier to train. That's true. If we hear the bell, then we come running for dinner. All right. What you guys got over here? Um, when you... <laughs> when you beat a dog, you get in trouble. But when you beat a cat, nobody can. <laughs> oh, no. No, he did not just say that. You just need to get out of here, Dave. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Once again, why that table is all guys. All right, ladies over here. Okay. We said that dogs play more games, and girls kind of like to be quiet and pampered and just kind of by themselves. Okay. Okay. And dogs can. And dogs what? And dogs do pee everywhere. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I can't. You guys are promoting, like, domestic abuse over here. This is crazy. Um, just so the girls know, just a little disclaimer from Dave. We don't promote domestic abuse in this room. Just so you know. Just so you know. Um, so uh, we, we, we hit a lot of those. So you kind of see this picture of... Guys can be kind of like dogs. Girls can be kind of like cats, right? And I think there's a lot of parallels there. And also we feel, we can feel like we're about that different, like dogs and cats, right? And so um, uh, why do a series on relationships? We're going to spend about a good two months on this deal. Uh, about two years ago, I, um, when I came into the high school ministry here at TBC, it was funny because like I couldn't find anybody that was like dating, which wasn't really a problem, but... It was also a little bit strange. I was like, well, does, do, the, do the guys and girls even talk in this youth group? It's this kind of weird dynamic. And, uh, and so that was the, the problem before. But now we kind of have a different issue. Now we actually have a lot of, a few relationships in this room. And uh, some kind of come and go. But, uh, but there's, there's still several people, I think, that are in relationships. And um, one of the things that I heard someone say recently was that uh, um, they made the comment that, uh, uh, I don't want to get kicked out of the youth group for being in a relationship. And I'm going, okay, like, like, okay, can you imagine the scenario? Like, someone walks in as a couple, and we're like, okay, hang on. Are, are y'all dating? Yes. Get out. Like, what do y'all think we are here? Seriously, you know? Someone actually said that to me, and I was like, no, we don't have, like, this rule that you can't like somebody. That's just kind of a weird rule to have if you had it anyway, but... Um, so we're doing a series on relationships. Um, I want you guys to understand something here. How you guys do relationships now will set you on a course for your life for great joy or great sadness. 
How you do this whole thing now is going to set you up for great joy or great sadness for the rest of your life. And there's a, there's a guy that I went to high school with uh, named Ben Jackson. And uh, we were juniors in high school. We played basketball together. And uh, he was a real quiet guy, um, kind of reserved when you got to know him a little bit. But um, on the basketball court, he was, like, ferocious. I mean, he was the kind of guy where if there was a loose ball, there'd be, like, fire in his eyeballs. Okay, he, he was, like, ferocious, tenacious, uh, all those kinds of words. That's what he was. And, uh, and so um, after our junior year, he started dating this girl named Tammy, and they had a, uh, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. And then I got a phone call from a friend of mine saying, did you hear? And I'm going, hear what? Let me tell you what. He said, um, Ben got Tammy pregnant. And I was like, whoa, okay, uh, wow. Um, he was 17. She had just graduated high school. And uh, she was a good friend of mine. He was a good friend of mine. And so the parents decided, we're going to go ahead and have them get married. So the kids were like, okay, I guess we'll get married. So, so they got married. And I'm telling you what, like, I was about to start my uh, senior year. That was the weirdest, most awkward wedding I have ever been to. I mean, the year before, he was like behind me in English class. Now he's getting married, okay, within like a matter of weeks. And so you can imagine just the weird tension. We're like, hey, man, uh, congratulations, I guess. Okay, uh, let's get some punch, you know. And we're like, it's just a very awkward, awkward wedding, as you might imagine. And so um, they had the baby. They, they were married. They had three more kids after that. And I just caught up with at least Tammy on Facebook. And come to find out, they've actually become, they're divorced now. Um, he was an abusive husband. I mean, all kinds of crazy things have happened as a result of that messed up relationship. And I can't help but think that, that the way things started had something to do with how things ended. And it's sad. It's incredibly sad. Um, so today we're going to look at the big picture of relationships. Um, if you were to step back and look at what is God's purpose for relationships? What does God want to accomplish in the world? What does God want to accomplish in you as a result of this male-female relationship? We're going to look at the big picture as our introduction this morning, and uh, then dive into some other things as the series goes on. But we need to go back to the very beginning. So turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, and we'll get started there. Genesis 2, uh, starting in verse 18, and I'll give you some time to flip there. Genesis is in the beginning of the Bible, if you didn't know. Uh, real easy to find, really, really easy to find. Um, this is the creation story. Looking at Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 18. Here's what it says. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. So catch this. God has made all the animals at this point. He has made Adam. I don't know if at this point God has made the female version of all the animals. We don't know that. I assume that he has. And if he has, you can imagine Adam is standing there going, Okay, God, I see, I see two lions. I see two hippopotamuses. 
I see two giraffes. I see two elephants. But I only see one of me. What's the deal? And so God says, okay, well, let's try to find a helper suitable for you. So, so God had created all these, these animals from the dust of the ground. And if you're a person who's a skeptic and you're like, oh, come on, that didn't happen. Like, that's just fairy tale. God, God can't take dust from the ground and make an animal. That's crazy. And evolution is not crazy. Okay? Seriously, I mean, like, when you look at the creation story and you look at, at what God does, when you're reading it, it, it can often look like a fairy tale. Like, oh, you serious? Come on, seriously? This really happened? Yes, this happened. God can take anything, any kind of molecules, cells, any kind of substance, and create anything out of it. So God took the dust of the ground and He made the animal life. He made Adam. And so then it goes on to read in uh, the next verse. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable, suitable helper was found. All right? Now, this is something I never noticed until this past week. Basically, God's looking for a helper for Adam. And so what he does is he has this big animal parade where he says, okay, I'm going to try to find a, a helper for Adam. So he, he tries to bring these things to Adam, and, and of course none of them are going to like look anything like Adam whatsoever. And so God says, okay, no, help, no suitable helper has been found for Adam. So now what? When you think of the word helper, we know that the story, of course, is that he's going to create Eve, but I'll take a little time out here for a moment. When you hear the word helper... A lot of guys might have this uh, sort of chauvinistic view of what a helper is. When they look at the word helper, they think, okay, well, Eve's supposed to be a helper uh, to Adam. That means um, she's supposed to do the laundry. Uh, that means she's to stay barefoot, pregnant, in the kitchen. Um, some guys will tell you that. That's what a helper means, okay? Uh, applause if you want to die by the ladies today. Um, so, so that's what some guys think a helper is when it says helper. That's not necessarily what the Bible is talking about here. What is a helper? A helper is someone who provides strength in an area where another is weak. A helper is someone who provides strength in an area where another is weak. I'll give you an example in my family. Uh, I, of course, married Courtney. Uh, best thing to ever happen to me. Um, really makes me not look like a loser. Uh, and, and so she is incredibly awesome in every way. Um, she's beautiful. She's awesome. Uh, great with our son Landon. Um, incredible. And uh, there are so many things that I can look at and say um, that she is much better at that than I am. Okay, for example... Uh, my son Landon can be kind of high maintenance as a two-year-old, all right? Uh, he likes to be read to, like, the same books over and over and over again, all right? It's like he never gets tired of the same thing over and I'm just like, man, I read Goodnight Mood ten times. Like, can we just watch TV or something? Like, can we watch Sports Center? You like Sports Center, don't you? And, uh... 
And but Courtney, she has like this emotional like perseverance that I don't have. Like she can like talk to him like in that little kid voice like for a long period of time, and she can like read him books over and over and over again, and like just really like engage him, which is why he calls her name a lot more than he calls my name probably. And uh, and, and so there are just areas where 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 she's strong and I'm weak. And you flip it around. Um, this past week we went and bought a, a new coffee table because Landon broke the one that we currently had. And uh, and so we buy this table, and out of, the, out of the two of us, me or Courtney, who's putting that table together? I am. Okay? There's no way. Can you imagine, as a guy, me being like, hey, Courtney, can you get the coffee table out of the SUV? Put it together for me, please. I'm going to watch TV. Uh, I'd be the biggest jerk in the world, right? So there's just certain things that, like, men are wired for, certain things that women are wired for, okay? And so, so one, one is to provide strength where the other one is weak. That's how God intended things to be. Look at verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. You may not know this, but there's a reason why uh, this little poem here is indented in your Bible. It's because it's essentially like a poem. It's like a song, okay? So, so the first time Adam sees Eve, all right, she's naked, all right, he starts singing, okay? He, he makes up this song to, to God and to express, like, how he feels about this woman, okay? And, and so um, your next question at your tables is this. What do you think God is trying to communicate by creating woman from man? Rather than, rather than just creating her from the dirt as, as, he, as he created Adam. Go ahead and discuss. Okay, it, it is true. It is true that this is the reason why men love to eat ribs. Okay, um, God took rib from Adam, so that's why men love to eat ribs. That's true. Okay, something that's not true. Something not true is that men have one less rib today. Because Doctor Weber, not true, right? Not true. See, we're backed up. He said the fact that it's not true is correct, which makes it not true. Okay? Uh, count your ribs. They feel the same on both sides, guys. Both sides. All right? Uh, that means ladies should have one extra rib, which is not the case. Uh, so, what is God trying to communicate? What is God trying to communicate when he creates Eve from Adam? Here's what I think he's doing. You see, when, when someone comes from you, when someone actually is a part of you in that way, when they come from you, there's a oneness. There's a oneness that you sense. There's a oneness that you feel with this person. All right? I'll give you an example. Uh, 
I mentioned uh, my son Layden to you earlier. He is about two and a half. And the funny thing is, he thinks every day is his birthday. He went to like a birthday party recently and heard the happy birthday song. And so now he wakes up in the morning. I'll hear him through the monitor singing, Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. And I'll say, Happy birthday to Landon. Like he sings it to himself. And every day he's like, birthday, happy birthday to me, you know. And it's the funniest thing. But he's two and a half, and he's only had two birthdays, thinks he has them every day, but we just kind of play along. So, um, But he's great. Uh, but, but let me tell you that, that before I had, we had our own son, before we had Landon, um, I thought other people's kids were cute, but after a while, really annoying. Okay. I mean, seriously, if, I, if someone else had a diaper to be changed, I'd be like, I'm not changing your kid's diaper. That's disgusting. Like, seriously, that's, that's, that's gross, okay? Um, if they, like, cried a bit too much, I'd be like, man, like, someone just shut that kid up. Like, seriously, you know? I felt bad for saying that, but I was really dreading the idea of, like, having it. I was like, am I going to be up with my own kid? Like, how's it going to go with my own kid? What's funny, though, is once you have your own kid, yeah, they can be high-maintenance, annoying sometimes, and so on, but... But after a while, you're like, this is my kid. Like, even though he's can be a pain sometimes, it's like he's, I love him. He's, he's incredible. Um, he's cuter than everybody else's kids in the world. Like, he's just incredibly awesome. And so, um, so when it's your kid, when it's something that came from you and from, from your spouse, it's, it's like it's this amazing and incredibly tense love that you feel for this little two-year-old. And I can't help... But think there's a parallel here with, with Adam and Eve. That as Adam looked at his, his wife, his spouse, Eve, that, that he knows that she came from him. There's a oneness that you feel with this person as a result of that. And so whenever he and uh, Eve would get into a fight, of course, after the fall, uh, that um, you can imagine that, that at some moment he would think to himself, wait a second, she, she, she's a part of me. She, she came from me. Like, she's, she's my wife. We're one. There's a oneness that we have as a couple. Notice in this story that God didn't create another Adam. He didn't create Adam and Steve. Okay? He didn't create Eve 1 and Eve 2. God does not condone polygamy. Okay? He created Adam and He created Eve. He created one man, one woman for a lifetime. Look at verse uh, 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Verse 24, it's, it's a key word, key phrase. For this reason. For what reason? He's getting back to because she was taken from the man, because from the very beginning they were one. A man will leave his father and mother and be united in one to his wife. They'll become one flesh. That means physically, of course. They have physical union through sex. But it also means emotional union. Okay? When you think about this, this union, this, this marriage union, it goes way beyond just the physical. It actually means emotionally, spiritually. They are now one. One of the best verses, I think, in the Bible is verse 25. It says they were naked and they felt no shame. They were, they were holy, they were happy, they were naked. 
Okay? In the garden. Now, anyone here ever had that dream, that recurring dream, where you're naked at school? Come on, admit it. Admit it. Everyone's had, everyone's had that dream at some point. Uh, I'm not sure what... I'm not sure why this happened, but whenever I was in, in like, maybe junior high, high school, um, like, once a year, like, once a year I had this dream, this recurring dream, where I was getting on the bus to go to school, and I was naked. And the weird thing was, is that I just kept going. I was like, I'm naked. Why am I going to school? And it's like, I just kept, I, I pushed through it. I kept going. It was like this weird, like, Thing that I just was like, I'm going to school naked. That's just, I'm, I'm going to go to school naked today, okay? And so um, you're sitting in class, and the dream would always end before I went to lunchtime, like in the cafeteria. So it was like, where it could be really, really bad. Uh, but, but here I am, like in this dream, it was, like, it was so real because you wake up like in a cold sweat. You're like, oh my gosh, like I, I was at school naked. Like what's, what's the deal? But of course, the way you felt... When you wake up from that dream, is, is like you feel shame. You feel like, oh, my gosh, like I'm so embarrassed, you know. And, and, and yet you see in this passage where, where Adam and Eve, they are naked before each other. They feel no shame. They feel no shame. They're holy, they're happy, and they're naked. They feel no shame. And you can imagine, uh, this is not just physical nakedness. Like when a, when a man and, and wife uh, marry, there is emotional Nakedness. They can. They can pretty much tell. They can tell all. They can. They can bear all emotionally. They can. They can. They can talk to each other like they know each other, because they're one, not just physically but also emotionally. This is God's ideal. It's one man, one woman, and for one lifetime. This kind of oneness surpasses all other human relationships. You see, um, there are certain things in life that come natural to us. Uh, for example, my son Landon, as I mentioned before, um, there are certain things that come very natural to him. Like he has certain fears that are very natural. Like he is afraid of the dark. He's afraid of skeletons. He's afraid of cowboy fans. Okay, those three things. I don't know where he learned the third thing, but it's in, instilled in him from birth. Uh, but he's afraid of skeletons. There's actually this... Um, this skeleton at the daycare place we dropped him off for, for the gym. And somebody put like a skeleton on the wall in the daycare facility. Alright? So first time he walks in, he's like, he's like, uh, I'm, I'm scared. And I'm like, scared of what? He's like, points at the skeleton. I'm like, who puts a skeleton to scare little kids like in the daycare facility? What's up with these people, you know? And so, but there are certain things in him that are just natural. Okay? He has certain fears that are just natural to him. In the same way, relationships are natural to us. It might take a few more years to like understand. That's, that's kind of what the point of the male-female thing is. But when you're like five or six years old, you're like, you know, the opposite sex is completely non-existent. And then whenever you get to like junior high, you start to kind of notice each other and so on. Anybody here remember uh, your first crush, your first liking? You remember? Um... Everyone can recall that moment where you realize, like, hey, when you realize, hey, she is prettier than all my guy friends. <laughs> right? Like, you notice. You, you notice, you're like, it's almost like 
there's like human highlighter where that person just stands out and you're like, wow, I never noticed that before. That's pretty amazing. God, you're pretty awesome. And so, so you notice that, that day where you first notice the opposite, set, opposite sex. And you see there are certain things that are very natural for us. Relationships are very natural for us. We're created for them. But here's the question. If we are created for relationships, then why are we so bad at them? If we are created for relationship, then why is there so much divorce? Why is there so much conflict and fighting? You see, after Adam and Eve were created, uh, something happened, and it was called the fall. It's where sin entered into the world. And ever since then, the Bible, the rest of the Bible is the record of how God dealt with sin in the fall. And so I want to say to you guys uh, today, this is why we are looking deeply at the sins of men and the sins of women. I think there are certain sins that are very unique to masculinity and femininity. There, there are certain sins that are, that are linked to who we are as people, as male and female. And we're going to dive deep into these kinds of, these kinds of sins. Um, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. We're going to close out with this passage. Just as God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to deal with fallen humanity, God had a way of dealing with the sin between us and Him. In the same way, God God lays out for us, as men and women, how we are to deal with the sin in our relationships. We see it in verse, uh, chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 25, where Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In those few words, there is so much power and meaning. I can't even begin to tell you. You see, in the Greek culture that Paul's writing to, Men were seen as, as sort of the, the primo. Women were seen as second-class citizens. Almost like animals. They were treated almost like animals. And so men were, it was okay to, to beat your wife, it was okay to divorce your wife for any reason, it was okay to really treat your wife like a second-class citizen. And so the background of the Greeks is they didn't give women anything. No respect, no inheritance, They didn't give women anything. And here Paul is, listen to this, listen. Here Paul is telling the Greek, the men, the husbands. He is saying, give up your very lives for these women that you're married to. He completely shifted things around to say, not only do you just raise them up to your level, but you put them beyond your level. You... You treat them like Christ treated the church and sacrificed himself and gave himself up for her. And so we look at this last question, what is the point of marriage? Many of you may ask the question, well, why are we discussing marriage? We're just dating right now. I always believe that the way that you date is the way that you marry. The same patterns that you date with are the patterns that you'll marry with. So what is the point of marriage? 
Marriage paints a picture of Christ's relationship to the church. That is God's primary reason for setting up this whole deal. As you sit there when you're 15 years old and have a a strong liking for that guy, or as a guy when you have a strong liking for that girl, you can look at this is the reason why God set this up. He set up this whole institution to paint a picture of his relationship to us. Secondly, God set up marriage to make you more like Christ. That the person that you marry is going to be the best tool that God uses in fashioning your life into Christ's likeness. Yeah, sure, your friends can help. Your G group can help. But no one exposes your sin. Let me be honest. No one exposes your sin the way your husband or wife will. Personal experience, right here. God wants to make you more like Christ. That is the the primary reason, one of the primary reasons why He has set this thing up. You see, marriage is like a living picture. It's a living analogy teaching you how to be more like Christ. And so, as, as your future husband or wife sins against you, and you have to now show them the grace and forgiveness that Christ showed us, that is when you learn the gospel. That is when you learn most profoundly who Christ is and who you are as a sinner separated from God. So it's going to teach you a lot. It's going to teach you a lot. You see, the two sexes, male and female, were created to complement each other, but so often the differences lead to conflict, fights, divorce, broken families. God's intent was to have where one was strong, the other was weak, where one was weak, the other was strong, to complement, to correspond. And yet so often those differences lead to conflict, divorce, fighting, fighting over the kids. Who's going to get the kids? And so the question is, will you be the kind of person who allows the differences to make you more like Jesus? Will you be the kind of person who allows the differences that God meant to be there? Will you allow those things to make you more like Christ in your future relationships? You see, when you understand this truth, the big picture of relationships, it changes everything. It changes why you date, it changes who you date, and it changes how you date. And I am so excited to dive into this topic with you guys the next couple of months. Please text in your questions as we go throughout the series, and we'll look forward to talking about dating next week. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for being a God who gives us this living analogy of your relationship to us. We thank you so much for being a God who has given us an example of what it means to live graciously in a forgiving, loving relationship. God, I pray that as the guys and girls in this room, as they explore these topics, that they would have this big picture of of marriage and dating in front of them, knowing that, that your purpose and plan is the best one. I pray that you give us wisdom as we answer their questions uh, with the wisdom that you give us, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, if you guys would like to stay after, we are having our game day deal. We're going to watch the uh, game on the big screen, and we're going to eat some food to stay after.